Section thirty of the Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume One, by Robert Burton. Section thirty. Partition one, Section two, Member two, Subsections six and seven subsection six immoderate exercise a cause and how solitariness idleness nothing so good but it may be abused nothing better than exercise if opportunely used for the preservation of the body nothing so bad if it be unseasonable violent or overmuch Fernelius out of Galen saith that much exercise and weariness consumes the spirits and substance, refrigerates the body, and such humours which nature would have otherwise concocted and expelled, it stirs up and makes them rage, which being so enraged, diversely affect and trouble the body and mind. So doth it, if it be unseasonably used, upon a full stomach or when the body is full of crudities, which Fuxius so much inveighs against, giving that for a cause, why schoolboys in Germany are so often scabbed, because they use exercise presently after meats. Byrus puts in a caveat against such exercise, because it corrupts the meat in the stomach, and carries the same juice raw, and as yet undigested into the veins, saith Lemnius which there putrefies and confounds the animal spirits. Crato protests against all such exercise after meat as being the greatest enemy to concoction that may be, and cause of corruption of humours, which produce this and many other diseases. Not without good reason then doth Salustius Silvianus and Leonartus Jacinus in nine races Mercurialis Arcubanus and many others set down immoderate exercise as a most forcible cause of melancholy. Opposite to exercise is idleness, the badge of gentry, or want of exercise, the bane of body and mind, the nurse of naughtiness, stepmother of discipline, the chief author of all mischief, one of the seven deadly sins, and a sole cause of this and many other maladies, the devil's cushion, as Gwalter calls it, his pillow and chief reposal. For the mind can never rest, but still meditates on one thing or other, except it be occupied about some honest business. Of his own accord it rusheth into melancholy. As too much and violent exercise offends on the one side, so doth an idle life on the other, saith Crato. It fills the body full of phlegm, gross humours, and all manner of obstructions, rheums, catars, etc. Rhesus accounts of it as the greatest cause of melancholy. I have often seen, saith he, that idleness begets this humour more than anything else. Montaltus chapter 1 seconds him out of his experience. They that are idle are far more subject to melancholy than such as are conversant or employed about any office or business. Plutarch reckons up idleness for a sole cause of the sickness of the soul. There are they, saith he, troubled in mind, 
that have no other cause but this homer iliad one brings in achilles eating of his own heart in his idleness because he might not fight mercurialis for a melancholy young man urgeth it as a chief cause why was he melancholy because idle nothing begets it sooner increaseth and continueth it oftener than idleness a disease familiar to all idle persons an inseparable companion to such as live at ease pinguiotio desidiose agentis a life out of action and have no calling or ordinary employment to busy themselves about that have small occasions and though they have such is their laziness dullness they will not compose themselves to do aught they cannot abide work though it be necessary easy as to dress themselves write a letter or the like yet as he that is benumbed with cold sits still shaking that might relieve himself with a little exercise or stirring do they complain but will not use the facile and ready means to do themselves good and so are still tormented with melancholy especially if they have been formerly brought up to business or to keep much company and upon a sudden come to lead a sedentary life it crucifies their souls and seizeth on them in an instant for whilst they are anyways employed in action discourse about any business sport or recreation or in company to their liking they are very well but if alone or idle tormented instantly again one day's solitariness one hour's sometimes doth them more harm than a week's physic labour and company can do good melancholy seizeth on them forthwith being alone and is such a torture that as wise seneca well saith malo mihi male quam moliter esse i had rather be sick than idle this idleness is either of body or mind that of body is nothing but a kind of benumbing laziness intermitting exercise which if we may believe fernelius causeth crudities obstructions excremental humours quencheth the natural heat dulls the spirits and makes them unapt to do anything whatsoever neglectus orenda felix inascitur agris for a neglected field shall for the fire its thorns and thistles yield as fern grows in untilled grounds and all manner of weeds so do gross humours in an idle body ignavum corrumpunt otia corpus a horse in a stable that never travels a hawk in a mew that seldom flies are both subject to diseases which left unto themselves are most free from any such encumbrances an idle dog will be mangy and how shall an idle person think to escape idleness of the mind is much worse than this of the body wit without employment is a disease aerogo animi rubigo ingeni the rust of the soul a plague a hell itself maximum animi nocumentum galen calls it as in a standing pool worms and filthy creepers increase 
et vitium capiunt ni moviantur aquae the water itself putrefies the air likewise if it be not continually stirred by the wind so do evil and corrupt thoughts in an idle person the soul is contaminated in a commonwealth where is no public enemy there is likely civil wars and they rage upon themselves this body of ours when it is idle and knows not how to bestow itself macerates and vexeth itself with cares griefs false fears discontents and suspicions it tortures and preys upon his own bowels and is never at rest thus much i dare boldly say he or she that is idle be they of what condition they will never so rich so well allied fortunate happy let them have all things in abundance and felicity that heart can wish and desire all contentment so long as he or she or they are idle they shall never be pleased never well in body and mind but weary still sickly still vexed still loathing still weeping sighing grieving suspecting offended with the world with every object wishing themselves gone or dead or else earned away with some foolish fantasy or other and this is the true cause that so many great men ladies and gentlewomen labour of this disease in country and city for idleness is an appendix to nobility they count it a disgrace to work and spend all their days in sports recreations and pastimes and will therefore take no pains be of no vocation they feed liberally fare well want exercise action employment for to work i say they may not abide and company to their desires and thence their bodies become full of gross humours wind crudities their minds disquieted dull heavy etc care jealousy fear of some diseases sullen fits weeping fits seize too familiarly on them for what will not fear and fantasy work in an idle body what distempers will they not cause when the children of israel murmured against pharaoh in egypt he commanded his officers to double their task and let them get straw themselves and yet make their full number of bricks for the sole cause why they mutiny and are evil at ease is they are idle when you shall hear and see so many discontented persons in all places where you come so many several grievances unnecessary complaints fears suspicions the best means to redress it is to set them a-work so to busy their minds for the truth is they are idle well they may build castles in the air for a time and soothe up themselves with fantastical and pleasant humours but in the end they will prove as bitter as gall they shall be still i say discontent suspicious fearful jealous sad fretting and vexing of themselves so long as they be idle it is impossible to please them otio qui nesceruti plus habet negotii quam qui negotium in negotio 
as that Agellius could observe, he that knows not how to spend his time hath more business, care, grief, anguish of mind than he that is most busy in the midst of all his business. Otiosus animus nescit quid volet, an idle person as he follows it, knows not when he is well, what he would have or whither he would go, cum illuquentum est illing lubet. He is tired out with everything, displeased with all, weary of his life, nec benidomi nec militii, neither at home nor abroad, erat et praetor vitum vivitur. He wanders and lives besides himself. In a word, what the mischievous effects of laziness and idleness are, I do not find anywhere more accurately expressed than in these verses of Philolaches in the comical poet, which for their elegancy I will in part insert. Novarum aetium esse arbitur similum ego hominem, quando hignatus est, aere argumentum dicum, aedis quando sunt adamusum expolitae, quisque laudit fabrum, adque exemplum expetit, etc., ad ubi illo migrat nequam homo indiligensque, etc. Tempestis venit, confringit degolas imbricesque, putrifacit aer operum fabri, etc. Dicum at hominis similis esse, aedium arbitremini, fabri parentis fundamentum, substruent liberorum, expoliunt dogen literas nec parcunt sumptui, ego altum sub fabrorum potestate frugifui, postquam autum migravi in ingenium meum, perditi operum fabrorum illicopido, veni dignavia e mihi tempestas vid, adventuque suo grandinum et imbram atulit, illa mihi virtutum deturbavit, etc., a young man is like a fair new house a carpenter leaves it well built in good repair of solid stuff but a bad tenant lets it rein in and for want of reparation fall to decay etc our parents tutors friends spare no cost to bring us up in our youth in all manner of virtuous education but when we are left to ourselves idleness as a tempest drives all virtuous motions out of our minds, et nili sumus, on a sudden, by sloth and such bad ways, we come to naught. Cousin German to idleness and a concomitant cause, which goes hand in hand with it, is nemia solitudo, too much solitariness, by the testimony of all physicians, cause and symptom both, but as it is here put for a cause, it is either coact, enforced, or else voluntary. Enforced solitariness is commonly seen in students, monks, friars, anchorites, that by their order and course of life must abandon all company, society of other men, and betake themselves to a private cell, otio superstitioso seclusi as Bale and Hospinian well term it, such as are the Carthusians of our time, that eat no flesh by their order, keep perpetual silence, never go abroad, 
such as live in prison or some desert place and cannot have company as many of our country gentlemen do in solitary houses they must either be alone without companions or live beyond their means and entertain all comers as so many hosts or else converse with their servants and hinds such as are unequal inferior to them and of a contrary disposition or else as some do to avoid solitariness spend their time with lewd fellows in taverns and in alehouses and thence addict themselves to some unlawful disports or dissolute courses diverse again are cast upon this rock of solitariness for want of means or out of a strong apprehension of some infirmity disgrace or through bashfulness rudeness simplicity they cannot apply themselves to others company nullum solum infelici gratius solitudine ubi nullus sit qui miserium exprobrit this enforced solitariness takes place and produceth his effect soonest in such as have spent their time jovially peradventure in all honest recreations in good company in some great family or populous city and are upon a sudden confined to a desert country cottage far off restrained of their liberty and barred from their ordinary associates solitariness is very irksome to such most tedious and a sudden cause of great inconvenience voluntary solitariness is that which is familiar with melancholy and gently brings on like a siren a shoeing horn or some sphinx to this irrevocable gulf a primary cause piso calls it most pleasant it is at first to such as are melancholy given to lie in bed whole days and keep their chambers to walk alone in some solitary grove betwixt wood and water by a brookside to meditate upon some delightsome and pleasant subject which shall affect them most amabilis insania et mentis gratissimus error a most incomparable delight it is so to melancholize and build castles in the air to go smiling to themselves acting an infinite variety of parts which they suppose and strongly imagine they represent or that they see acted or done blandi quidem ab ignitio saith lemnius to conceive and meditate of such pleasant things sometimes present past or to come as rhesus speaks so delightsome these toys are at first they could spend whole days and nights without sleep even whole years alone in such contemplations and fantastical meditations which are like unto dreams and they will hardly be drawn from them or willingly interrupt so pleasant their vain conceits are that they hinder their ordinary tasks and necessary business they cannot address themselves to them or almost to any study or employment these fantastical and bewitching thoughts so covertly so feelingly so urgently so continually set upon creep in insinuate possess overcome 
distract and detain them they cannot i say go about their more necessary business stave off or extricate themselves but are ever musing melancholizing and carried along as he they say that is led round about a heath with a puck in the night they run earnestly on in this labyrinth of anxious and solicitous melancholy meditations and cannot well or willingly refrain or easily leave off winding and unwinding themselves as so many clocks and still pleasing their humours until at last the scene is turned upon a sudden by some bad object and they being now habituated to such vain meditations and solitary places can endure no company can ruminate of nothing but harsh and distasteful subjects fear sorrow suspicion subrusticus pudor discontent cares and weariness of life surprise them in a moment and they can think of nothing else continually suspecting no sooner are their eyes open but this infernal plague of melancholy seizeth on them and terrifies their souls representing some dismal object to their minds which now by no means no labour no persuasions they can avoid hyret lateri lethalis arundo the arrow of death still remains in the side they may not be rid of it they cannot resist i may not deny but that there is some profitable meditation contemplation and kind of solitariness to be embraced which the fathers so highly commended hiram chrysostom cyprian austin in whole tracts which petrarch erasmus stella and others so much magnify in their books a paradise a heaven on earth if it be used aright good for the body and better for the soul as many of those old monks used it to divine contemplations as simulus a courtier in adrian's time diocletian the emperor retired themselves etc in that sense vatia solus git vivere vatia lives alone which the romans were wont to say when they commended a country life or to the bettering of their knowledge as democritus cleanthes and those excellent philosophers have ever done to sequester themselves from the tumultuous world or as in pliny's villa laurentana tully's tusculum jovius study that they might better vacare studius et deo serve god and follow their studies methinks therefore our too zealous innovators were not so well advised in that general subversion of abbeys and religious houses promiscuously to fling down all they might have taken away those gross abuses crept in amongst them rectified such inconveniences and not so far to have raved and raged against those fair buildings and everlasting monuments of our forefathers devotion consecrated to pious uses some monasteries and collegiate cells might have been well spared 
and their revenues otherwise employed here and there one in good towns or cities at least for men and women of all sorts and conditions to live in to sequester themselves from the cares and tumults of the world that were not desirous or fit to marry or otherwise willing to be troubled with common affairs and know not well where to bestow themselves to live apart in for more conveniency good education better company's sake to follow their studies i say to the perfection of arts and sciences common good and as some truly devoted monks of old had done freely and truly to serve god for these men are neither solitary nor idle as the poet made answer to the husbandman in aesop that objected idleness to him he was never so idle as in his company or that scipio africanus in tuli nun quam minus solus quam cum solus nun quam minus otiosus quam cum esset otiosus never less solitary than when he was alone never more busy than when he seemed to be most idle it is reported by plato in his dialogue de amore in that prodigious commendation of socrates how a deep meditation coming into socrates mind by chance he stood still musing eodem vestigio cogitabundus from morning to noon and when as then he had not yet finished his meditation per stabat cogitans he so continued till the evening the soldiers for he then followed the camp observed him with admiration and on set purpose watched all night but he persevered immovable ad exhortem solis till the sun rose in the morning and then saluting the sun went his ways in what humour constant socrates did thus i know not or how he might be affected but this would be pernicious to another man what intricate business might so really possess him i cannot easily guess but this is otiosum otium it is far otherwise with these men according to seneca omnia nobis mala solitudo persuadit this solitude undoeth us pugnat cum vita sociali tis a destructive solitariness these men are devils alone as the saying is homo solus aut deus aut daemon a man alone is either a saint or a devil mens eus aut languescit aut tumescit and why soli in this sense woe be to him that is so alone these wretches do frequently degenerate from men and of sociable creatures become beasts monsters inhumane ugly to behold misanthropi they do even loathe themselves and hate the company of men as so many timons nebuchadnezzars by too much indulging to these pleasing humours and through their own default so that which mercurialis sometimes expostulated with his melancholy patient may be justly applied to every solitary and idle person in particular natura de te videtur conqueriposse etc nature may justly complain of thee that whereas she gave thee a good wholesome temperature a sound body 
and god hath given thee so divine and excellent a soul so many good parts and profitable gifts thou hast not only condemned and rejected but hast corrupted them polluted them overthrown their temperature and perverted those gifts with riot idleness solitariness and many other ways thou art a traitor to god and nature an enemy to thyself and to the world perditio tua ex te thou hast lost thyself wilfully cast away thyself thou thyself art the efficient cause of thine own misery by not resisting such vain cogitations but giving way unto them subsection seven sleeping and waking causes what i have formerly said of exercise i may now repeat of sleep nothing better than moderate sleep nothing worse than it if it be in extremes or unseasonably used it is a received opinion that a melancholy man cannot sleep over much somnus supramodum prodest as an only antidote and nothing offends them more or causeth this malady sooner than waking yet in some cases sleep may do more harm than good in that phlegmatic swinish cold and sluggish melancholy which melanchthon speaks of that thinks of waters sighing most part etc it dulls the spirits if overmuch and senses fills the head full of gross humours causeth distillations rheums great store of excrements in the brain and all the other parts as fuxius speaks of them that sleep like so many dormice or if it be used in the daytime upon a full stomach the body ill-composed to rest or after hard meats it increaseth fearful dreams incubus night-walking crying out and much unquietness such sleep prepares the body as one observes to many perilous diseases but as i have said waking overmuch is both a symptom and an ordinary cause it causeth dryness of the brain frenzy dotage and makes the body dry lean hard and ugly to behold as lemnius hath it the temperature of the brain is corrupted by it the humours adust the eyes made to sink into the head choler increased and the whole body inflamed and as may be added out of galen three de sanitato tuendo avicenna three one it overthrows the natural heat it causeth crudities hurts concoction and what not not without good cause therefore crato hildesheim jocinus arculanus on rhesus guianarius and mercurialis reckon up this overmuch waking as a principal cause end of section thirty